Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Part two of my conversation with a good friend, West Virginia House of Delegates member, uh, not served in the United States Marine Corps, um, a, a small business owner, you name it. This guy's wearing a lot of hats right now, but he's a he's a, one of the finest people I know, and that is my friend Jim Butler, who joins me this morning on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Jim, we talked about in part one of our conversation about your service. I want to talk now about your story around your service. And I intentionally saved this part of the conversation so we'd have a lot of room to explore that. I want you to to take me back as far as you want to take us and tell your story. Uh, you know, we grew up in the same part of the country. I grew up in Southern Ohio, though. I grew up, uh, spent a little time near where you are. For, for those geographically that, that and I want to kind of paint the picture here as Jim tells his story. Jim is in Mason County, West Virginia. Now, geographically, that sits on the Ohio River between Huntington, West Virginia, where Marshall University is, where I went to school, and a little town called Parkersburg, West Virginia. And geographically, it, they, they sit right in the middle. So I spent some time. I grew up um, in a little town across the river from Parkersburg in Belpre. I spent some time up there. And, but most of my time was spent in Southern Ohio and, and geographically our region sits near the state of Kentucky. So where Jim lives in about an hour and 15 minutes, he can be in Kentucky or he can, you know, he can cross the bridge and be in Ohio, which is right across the river from, from where he lives. But Jim, did you grow up? Let me start here. Did you grow up in Mason County, West Virginia? Kind of take me through your, your story and your background a little bit. Okay, well, actually, I grew up in Chillicothe, Ohio, um, which is about an hour directly north of me. Um, but the way I, my connection to West Virginia here, and actually, the, I'm sitting on the porch of my of a farm where my grandparents had a small dairy farm. Um, my mom is from here, right here where I'm, like I said, the property I'm sitting on right now. Uh, my dad uh, worked at a truck stop here in Henderson, West Virginia, so... Uh, right here close to where I'm where I'm broadcasting from or joining you from and uh, dad worked at a truck stop here and mo met my mom who was a waitress at, a tr at the truck stop and um, but dad was from Chillicothe, Ohio. I grew up there 
of course, when they got married, mom moved to Chillicothe, where my dad was from, and uh, so that's where I grew up. But I can't. We came just about every Sunday here to West Virginia, Point Pleasant area of West Virginia. Technically, I'm in Galpless Ferry, but we came came here every weekend pretty much to visit Grandma and Grandpa. I won't hold that and she made fried chicken. <laughs> I won't hold that against you if you're in Galpless Ferry. I mean, it. You know, it's. You know, but but here's you know that's interesting because. Jim, I, I lived in I lived in Gallia County for a couple of years when I when I when I was working up there, and and of course we lived on the on the I, I've always said Gallipolis because people over there, if you if you don't say it right, you know you you have to act like you live there, and so people taught me early when when I moved up there it's Gallipolis, but it's interesting you guys that live in Gallipolis Ferry that you 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 say the s instead of you know it's lease instead of less so i forgive me for interrupting <laughs> you there i i had to learn the hard way the ohioans like to pronounce it one way and the west virginians pronounce it another way so <laughs> well that that's interesting i've never even caught that before but uh, i'm i'm working in hurricane west virginia which is spelled hurricane but you say that's right so. hey folks another <laughs> geographical lesson is we have tornado west virginia and we have hurricane but we don't pronounce it hurricane we pronounce it hurricane so yep you, you know, better get it right that's exactly <laughs> right but your, your mom and dad meet you know your mom's working at a truck stop and your dad you know obviously they meet and and so your grandparents i think that is so interesting about your grandparents running and owning a dairy farm do you feel like that you kind of learned some principles of small business watching your grandparents own and operate a dairy farm? Because, you know, that is truly, one, you you are totally dependent on what your cows produce. You know, you're totally dependent on, on nature and biology for your product, your, your, your yield, your output. You're totally dependent on the land producing enough grass and hay to be able to feed those those dairy cows successfully to get them to lactate to produce that milk what do you think you learned from your grandparents you you said you guys would come over every sunday and have dinner and things like that do you what did you feel like you learned from your grandparents now that you own and operate your own small business well actually most of my business experience was on was learning from my grandmother on my dad's side who lived in chillicothe uh, my grandparents here in West Virginia, by the time I was old enough to understand anything about business, they had already kind of let the farm go, so to speak. And, and my grandfather worked at the Marietta plant here in Point Pleasant, which was a, they manufactured ships. But to kind of answer your question, my grandmother owned a little store in a little area of Chillicothe called Frenchtown. And, and I would wait on customers. They'd come in and buy a uh, buy a pop and a bag of chips or whatever and and they would uh, i'd tell them how much it was and collect the money and work the register and things like that and my grandmother taught me that uh, you buy a candy bar for 10 cents and you sell it for well actually back then you bought it for probably two or three cents and sold it for six cents you know when i when i was young so um really i learned most of the business from my grandmother and my dad was also in a uh kind of a handyman construction type of thing so my dad is what and didn't have a great formal education but is can do anything so i've learned my work ethic and kind of business from my dad and my grandmother uh, my grandparents here in west virginia though they were uh, 
great down home people and just as, as kind as could be. Um, but as I say, the dairy farm was kind of, uh, had fizzled out by the time that, that, that I got to really realize anything about business here. You, you mentioned the work ethic and, and things like that. And, and I love Jim, I love the balance because a lot of times we don't balance ourselves. I'm not hearing you now for some reason. Yep. Um, let me go here for just a second. We don't balance ourselves well. We don't balance ourselves well. And it's because, you know, a lot of times one side or the other um, keeps, you know, keeps us from doing that. You know, and Jim, the thing I love about that part of your story is, is that you and I have real similar backgrounds. I had a, a legally blind uncle that ran a snack bar, and that's where I learned to make change. I learned how to add in my head. I learned how to serve customers. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. My aunt and uncle ran a snack bar like that. And you, you talk about learning. It, it's funny. I love how you said that. Like I picked up this from this side of my grandparents. I picked up this from the other side of my grandparents. I, I picked up my work ethic from my dad. I want to talk about how you decided to serve your country. If I could, if I could ask that part of it, I don't mean to leave anything out or fast forward. It just feels like that you grew up in a house that just learned how to work and how to love and how to serve people. And it just feels like you, you telling the early parts of your story. I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see where all that's come together. How did you decide to serve your country and join the United States Marine Corps? Oh, well, good question. Uh, well, I have an uncle who served in the, in the Marine Corps and he was a, he was a, a kind of a short guy, just really, uh, really boisterous, a big personality, and uh, kind of a, if I may say, a, a cocky kind of an individual. And I really admired him. You know, he'd come back and tell all of his war stories. So, so I always thought I'd like to join the Marine Corps. But uh, a, a part about sort of my upbringing that that I think surprises people sometimes is that actually while I learned my work ethic from my dad and he was incredibly intelligent, or still is, he's still with us, but uh, my mom and dad were both alcoholics. So we grew up in a broken family. My, my sister and I did. I have one sister. And um, dad and mom both spent... A, a significant amount of time in jail actually and um so i think that has that has really um affected the way that i look at issues like poverty and addiction and those types of things you know back kind of back to my legislative service but and then when i to join when i joined the marine corps as i say i really admired my uncle and i've always had a heart for service and just grew up being patriotic and i think that it was much easier to be patriotic, you know, in our generation than it is, you know, now in the generation now, it seems like anyway. Jim, forgive, so me, for, for, forgive me for jumping in there and I apologize for interrupting you, but I've got to, I've got to just pull out a little bit more there. You know, there, there are a lot of kids that grow up in, in alcoholic broken homes like you did that don't turn out the way you did, that don't turn out the way, you know, it, it, it really... It starts them on a trajectory and on a course of which they don't ever recover from. What do you attribute the fact of, of how you stayed 
right through all that. You you mentioned mom and dad went to jail and and things like that. How did you avoid? How did you avoid a, a lot of those same pitfalls as as a teenager and a young man yourself? Well, first of all, I I just I wanted better for myself and you know for my future family. But uh, and I guess part of it was, as I say, because my dad was just so clear is so clearly brilliant and could do anything that I and my mom also. She was one of the she was the nicest person you'd ever meet. And um, I just thought how what a shame it was or, you know, at that age, I was thinking you know, we could be doing so much better if mom and dad just didn't have this problem, if they stayed focused on on doing the things, you know, working and, and taking care of the family rather than something that I still don't understand to this day that uh, there's something about people who are addicts and that, that whether you get addicted to gambling or alcohol or drugs or whatever, it's once that, once something, whatever it is that triggers them, then that becomes the most important thing in their life, getting that, getting that high or getting or getting in there and putting the money in that slot machine or whatever the addiction is, that becomes the most important thing and, and everything else falls to the wayside. So um, as a young person, I just thought, you know, what a shame it was that we were having all these struggles when it wasn't necessary. So my sister has done well too, just to avoid that pitfall. And we both grew up hearing that if your parents are alcoholics, if you're you're 80 or 90% going to be an alcoholic that we just didn't fall into it because we wanted better. Man, that is so good. And, and again, forgive me for jumping in there. I, I just, I wanted, I'm fascinated to know that because it's, it's like, for me, I've struggled with my weight most of my adult life. You know, I've been thin and I've been big and, you know, I'm kind of in the middle right now, but, um, you know, you, you have those, you have those struggles to where, you know, it's, it's either discipline or it's, you know, it's, it's a, a combination of factors and things like that. You decide to join the Marine Corps because you had an uncle that, that carried that persona. Take me through your time. You, you join the Marines and, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm there. What do you remember most about joining the Marine Corps? And what, looking back, what, what do you take away from that time that you served in the Marine Corps? Oh, wow. Well, um, I, one thing that I think is, is typical of someone who, who joins the Marine Corps, I remember my very first day at boot camp standing on the yellow footprints and, and just being, uh, inundated and harassed by drill instructors and thinking, my goodness, how did I get here and how can I get out of this? <laughs> um, if I could have come home and, and not disappointed all my family and friends, I, I would have come home that very day. Um, but, you know, at that point, you've already made the commitment. Uh, you sign on the dotted line. So I just uh, made the decision that uh, I was going to stick with it and do the best I could while I was in. Um, I, I got good grades in high school, so I, you know, took the, that, what they call it an ASFAB test, your aptitude test. I did well on that, and I got guaranteed um, that I could be a, a mechanic on aircraft, which I've always been mechanically inclined. So I, I thought I liked the idea of working on, you know, Top Gun's a big movie again now, you know, uh, Maverick or whatever, but uh, so it's... Um, I wanted to work on fixed wing aircraft and, and that type of thing, but 
turned out I got to work on helicopters, which I was disappointed about for a while until I learned that I could actually got to fly in them. I was a crew chief, so basically you're a fly-along mechanic on aircraft and had a, had a great four years uh, of service, got to got to or I was forced to to go on two Westpac floats, the Western Pacific, where we went to Singapore, Thailand, Korea, Japan, so all over all over Asia and uh, got to see a lot of the rest of the world and and just did the best I could for the four year enlistment that I had and um, I just never have liked the idea of of being bossed around. So that's why I didn't stay in more than four years. Just made us to my service while I was there, got promoted quickly. And, and it was, it was a great experience. Um, you learn the discipline and, uh, sort of, I, well, I liked the military life and I kind of have tried to carry on that military bearing. And well, and, and Jim, I, you know, you're talking about working on helicopters. And I've continued throughout my life and, and I think that's to become a Marine. Well, you talked about working on helicopters and things like that, and you mentioned Top Gun as we record this. That movie is 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 hot and things like that. So I got to ask you, which which one of the the Top Gun guys are you? Are you Maverick? Are you Goose? Are you you know who 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 do you who do you think you know most resembles? You know, you mentioned the movie, so I got to ask you which character you 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 feel like you most resemble there, not physically, but but in, 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 in your military life. Um, I, I lost you a good bit there, but I, I think what you were saying was who do I most identify with on the top gun Maverick or goose or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean physically. I mean, you know, Yeah, I, I don't know if you could hear me, but of course I'm Maverick. Uh, who doesn't want to be Maverick, right? Who doesn't want to be Maverick? That's exactly right. Well, you know, we were talking in the first episode about your your journey in politics, and I think you kind of have to have that Maverick bravado. You have to kind of have that Maverick personality to be able to to go and do some of the things that you've done in life. And you talk about not wanting to be you know, Boston things. And, and that's, that's perfectly understandable. That, that sense is an, to me, an entrepreneurial spirit. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
Jim, you, you mentioned you, you were like, hey, I don't, I wanted to go into the Marine Corps, but I, I didn't like being <clears throat> bossed around. Do you ever think of what your life might be like had you just gone from high school straight to working and not had those four years in the Marine Corps? Um, actually, I hadn't really thought of it that way, to be honest with you. I've thought about what it would be like if I had decided to, which I oftentimes regret that I did get out. But um, honestly, I don't know that it would be a whole lot different. I, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and, and it's funny you mention that because you have some guys that, that will make the military their career. And, and again, we thank all the, those that have served for their service, whether you serve for, uh, four years or 20 years or 30 years, whatever you, the fact that you've served, the fact that you willingly chose to put on that uniform and go and defend our country in any shape or form, it is worthy of, of merit. Uh, and, and, and this is just, you, you know, folks, you can think what you want to. I think we should honor our military better. I think we should take better care of our military. You know, um, I've not had to pick up a rifle and go overseas and, and try to fight for something like that. Uh, I took the, I like Jim, I took the ASVAB test. I had military recruiters calling me, but I already had a scholarship to Marshall, so I wasn't going to the military. Mm. I just, I took it to get out of a class. I took the ASVAB test to get out of a class in high school. But uh, right. again, you know, Jim, what was the biggest lesson that you learned from, from your time in the Marine Corps that you still use to this day? Ah, well, I think I, I've taught this to my kids and I've, I've actually used it to help raise my kids is that um, you always aspire and you prepare for the job that you want and you always train someone to take your place. And I think that's what our parents and grandparents have been doing for, uh, you know, for centuries throughout time. But, uh, you know, going back to some of the issues we have, I think some that's gotten lost a little bit in, in some ways, but that's what we all should be doing as parents and as adults, even if we don't have children or children we're interacting with who, who are not, you know, biologically ours, we need to, to, uh, teach them how to do the right things to succeed so that they can continue and, and continue to, to make, uh, United States, a great country and West Virginia, a great state and so forth. Jim, you know, you and I are pretty close to the same age. And did you ever think at 23 or 24 or 25 year old Jim, did you ever think that your life would be where it is today? I mean, you're, you're now Jim Butler, your delegate Jim Butler, and, and again, you mentioned in the in the in the first episode, you still have a primary over to to win, but your track record is very good. You know, you 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 went out of the legislature for a while. Someone took your place. You ran against that person, won the primary, and so it looks very promising that you're going to be back in Charleston because the. You know you're going to be reserving your your community in, in the House of Delegates. If I would, if, if we would, if you and I would go back and we would find 25 year old Jim Butler, we'd say, hey, let me let me let me pop this thing out. Let me show you how 
40, you know, mid forties, Jim Butler, here's what your life's going to look like. Do you think you would have had any idea that public service would have been a part of that? Um, probably not really. Um, just the, uh, moving back here to West Virginia where, um, you know, being a, being a small state where I had the opportunity to meet some people who are, well, actually, I guess I, I've got to, got to credit Barack Obama with a lot of my political career. When, when he got elected and, and got in office, I started saying, I got to the point where I said, somebody's got to do something. We, we have to get control of, or we have to get where people have some say of what's going on in our country, because as you remember, Barack Obama said he's going to remake America. And I thought, no, we don't want to remake America. I, I love this country and what it's founded upon. So uh, my wife and I started a local Tea Party group, actually. It's kind of how I got involved in really organized politics. So um, I don't know if it would have been that easy to do it in, in Ohio or some other bigger state. But here in West Virginia, being a smaller state, I met my my local delegates at the time and our and eventually met our congress people and things and i thought and, and this is something that i think all citizens need to realize is the people serving us in office uh, they're not uh, they're not more than people either i mean they're no doubt they're smart in that type of thing but they don't know everything and they yeah. don't uh, they don't know what's in our hearts so it's up to us as citizens to let them know a few of the people that I know that serve in our state, I knew them well before they ever ran their first political race. And it's funny you mention that because they were business people. They were parents. They were a lot like you and I. And people think, well, we, we just look at the extreme circumstances. We, we look at, and, and, I'm, and, and folks, this is not, party specific or anything like that. I'm just going to throw out some names. The Roosevelt's. I was watching something last night on Teddy Roosevelt. You know, I was watching a history channel documentary about the life of Teddy Roosevelt, the Bushes, people that the families that, that, that were politically based and, and generationally politically based. And I'm probably missing some in there, but the Kennedys come to mind generationally politically based that the expectation was that you're going to follow in the family footsteps, so to speak, and go into that business and things like that. The people, most of the people that I know that are, that served in our state, it was never generationally based. It was, I'm the first person in my family that's doing this. And, you know, I've got my reasons for running and things like that. You mentioned your wife and you starting the, the local tea party there in Mason County. And we've had one of the co-founders, Michael Johns, has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Michael Johns was one of the founders of the, the Tea Party. But when when you got that that taste, Jim, that, that, you know, whatever it is that, hey, I've got to do more. I've got to, to – where did it go from starting the local Tea Party to, okay, I've got to – now I've got to get more involved and take this to the to the next level? Well, for me, a local issue came up, which is uh, Route 35 was one of the main, it is one of the main routes, highways coming through my area. And, and I had heard that 
they were going to put tolls on Route 35 as they made it in from a two lane to a four lane. It's a it was a very dangerous two lane road. But uh, I heard they were going to put tolls on it and being a smaller tax, small government type of person, I didn't like the idea of having to pay tolls to, ride, to drive on that road. So I went to county commission meetings and asked the county commissioners if they were going to vote for this. And they said, well, we didn't know we had any say so. And so I started learning the process. And it turns out that the county commissioners did have a vote on whether the tolls could go on that road. So. To make a really long story short, I came out strong against the tolls and convinced the county commissioners to vote against it or help them to come to that decision, I hope, and talk to uh, Senator Mike Hall then, who was our, you know, our state senator. And so I, through that toll road issue, I became known throughout our community and I also uh, learned how the process worked. And, you know, that's interesting because you 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 learn how the process works and now you're you're saying to yourself okay now i can do something about this and a, and a lot of us don't take that next step for you was that a hard step to take to to enter politics and say okay i know it's going to affect my time i know it's going to affect my family those would be the things that i would be would be going through my mind what were some of the things that that entered your mind when you dis when you were deciding to take that next step and and move to being more a part of the political process, I'm losing. I lost you again. Well, no, I don't I, know if you can hear me or not, but I think you were I, asking about was yeah. was that next logical yeah. word to speak, and it, it kind of was. It kind of made sense to to do that and there were so many other issues that i was interested in and was learning about that it, it made total sense to to go and run for the house well and, and again you've done that very successfully in our state um and you've really made an impact there jim in in, in the last couple minutes that we've got here the, today and, I, and again i so appreciate your time and love hearing your story take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in life whether it's politically, personally, what what's probably the biggest challenge that you've overcome and what's the biggest lesson you've learned from it? Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
Jim, take me through the biggest obstacle, you know, whether it's politically or, or, you know, in the Marine Corps or whatever, what's the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life? And, and what was the biggest lesson that you learned from it? Oh, wow. The, the biggest obstacle. Um, I, I guess I would, to, to honestly answer that, it would have to be my, my own, my personality to some extent, my pride, the, uh, the belief that I could do everything by myself. And um, being that, as I mentioned, you know, as a child, I took care of myself a lot, took care of my younger sister when my parents were not home joined the Marine Corps at 17 years old and paid my own bills from that time on, uh, started my own business, did pretty much everything by myself and thought I could just power through things. And not until I got involved in politics did I realize this is something much bigger than than myself. And, and I was not raised up in the church. And actually, politics brought me to the Lord. And it... Uh, it made me humble myself and and ask for help and that's still my biggest obstacle i think is is asking and accepting help asking for and accepting help from people that uh no matter what's happened it's, it's brought me like i said it's brought me to the lord and and it's allowed me to uh it's it saved my soul it just put it in in the most basic sense wow well, it's amazing what what God will use to draw a person to Him, and and in your case, it was it was always the plan of the Lord to to have you go into politics to bring you to bring you to Him, and so that's wonderful. That that is so cool. Share with me in the audience, real quick, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. What what is something in life either you've heard somebody say? that's always encouraged you or something that you have found for yourself that has brought you the most intentional encouragement? Oh, well, <clears throat> it, it really has been, um, getting involved in the church and seeing my young, my own children, especially, um, develop a relationship with God and become involved in the church. And they've both done very well, and also seeing other young people in the church do well. And beyond that, also even other other young people in our community that uh, that I've had the opportunity to meet, whether it be through my political service or just through my actually my excavating business. <laughs> There's a, a couple of young guys, eight-year-old twins, who've uh, kind of. I've taken a like to, and they've taken a like to me. They they were on a in a neighborhood where I was doing a small excavating job, and they ended up helping me with my campaign. And it's just encouraging to see some young people who are who have good good families, who have this work ethic, and have some some self respect and pride in their country and in their state and so forth. So. While everything seems so gloomy around us, I do think there are bright spots, and I try to focus on those bright spots. Well, I tell you what, you you certainly have done that, and uh, our state is lucky. I, I say the state of West Virginia, our state where I live, where you live, we're lucky to have you. And uh, Jim, I so appreciate you. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for 
your honesty. Most importantly, thank you for your time. You can find Jim on Facebook. You can go find his personal page if you want to find out more about him. There's also a Jim Butler for House of Delegates 18th District page, which is which is his political page. So you can find out more about what he stands for and things like that politically. Um, but Jim, it's been so good to have you today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you for your time today, my friend. It's been great to be here and thank you very much. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.